Hey friends, I have a fun episode for you today. I had Maria Marlowe on with me and she specializes in reducing acne and specializes in clear skin. She is a certified holistic nutritionist and she is also the founder of Kuma, which is a science-based ingestible skincare company. And so it is a probiotic that is made specifically for clear skin. And she is also on a mission to revolutionize how people think about skincare from outside only to inside out. So I loved my conversation with her because we keep going back to the foundations of health when we're talking about inflammation and acne, but she also gives some really great perspective that is a little bit nuanced and a little bit more detailed than I've shared in podcasts before about acne. So I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation and get a little bit more in-depth and holistic perspective on acne and move forward with clearer skin. And so when we talk about all of these foundations, this is exactly what I teach inside of Nourish Your Hormones. Nourish Your Hormones will help you not only have balanced hormones, so better periods, better PMS, and better energy, but it will also help reduce acne. And that's been proven over and over again. So if you are struggling with acne, and I assume that you have, or you are, if you're listening to this episode, Nourish Your Hormones is a great, great place for you to start and will help you make progress not only on your skin, but also on your hormones, which is a win-win all the way around. So can't wait for you to hear this one. Welcome to the Happily Hormonal Podcast. Now, if you're a little iffy on whether or not the word hormonal is a good one, you're in the right place. My name is Leisha Drews, registered nurse and functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner turned holistic hormone coach. And after going through my own hormone journey and having my three babies, I actually believe that our hormones are one of the greatest gifts that we've been given as women. And that no matter what you've been told, it's possible for you to have thriving energy, good periods, and a stable mood all month long. And I am here to show you the way. I think it's time to change the narrative around words like hormones and hormonal and start to reclaim the power that we truly have as women, which is a power to change not only our own health, but the health of all of our family for generations to come. Hormone balance doesn't have to feel hard. It can actually feel simple and fun when we do it in a way that aligns with how our bodies were made. If you're ready to start trusting your body again and feeling really good in that beautiful body that you've been given, then grab yourself a yummy drink and maybe a snack and let's do this. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Today I have Maria Marlowe with me and she is an acne expert. And so I know that this is something that is very much needed in the hormone space is support with acne. And so I'm super excited to talk to you today, Maria. I'd love for you to just introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit of the fun stuff about you and tell us how you got into acne and nutrition. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. And in terms of, yeah, how I got started, I think for a lot of us in the health and wellness space, it starts with our own struggle. And so for me, I had really bad acne for about five years, despite doing all the things, taking or using drugstore topicals, then graduating to dermatologist prescribed medications, and it would sometimes get better, but then get worse, or it wouldn't go away at all. And it was just always there. And so for a long time, I thought there was something wrong with me because I was doing everything I was supposed to do, but my skin was not clearing. And it wasn't until I discovered this whole concept of food as medicine and drastically overhauled my diet, worked on repairing my gut health, that my skin finally cleared and it cleared in about three months. So I was like, 
the, the mind was blown. And I was like, why doesn't anyone teach us this? And just went down this whole nutrition rabbit hole and ended up changing career paths to study nutrition and cooking and really made it my mission to teach people about the connection between diet and skin, gut health and skin. Yeah, I love that. I definitely have had a similar journey with, I had really bad acne as a teenager and then in my early 20s. And literally, I just remember, I've told this story a bunch of times on the podcast because I just still can't get over it. But going to the dermatologist and my mom asking him, like, does food have anything to do with it? Should she not eat like French fries or chocolate? Like the kind of like typical, maybe she shouldn't be eating these things. And he was like, no, that's a myth. And I just remember him saying that and me being like, okay, mom, I can have chocolate. But obviously looking back, there's just so much more to the story. And that how could that possibly even be possible that what you're putting in your body doesn't show up on your skin and doesn't matter? So I would love to just dive in and just talk about what are some of the root causes of acne. I know that you talk about six different root causes of acne. So I'd love for you to go into each one and we can go from there. Sure. And one thing I'll just piggyback on what you just said about the dermatologist saying, oh, food has nothing to do with acne. Likewise, when I had acne, that was the same response I got. But interestingly, because I've dug so much into the history of acne, prior to the 1970s, diet was widely believed both socially and even in medical literature to be associated with diet. Diet and acne were associated. And I'm talking back like 17th, 18th, like 19th century, like dermatology textbooks are talking about the connection between diet and they weren't using terms like probiotics or gut health or anything like that, but like even associating overeating and belching or having like digestive issues with acne. And so it's just, it's mind blowing that for so many decades and hundreds of years, we knew there was an association between diet and skin, but then at some point that all changed. So in terms of the six root causes of acne, well, some of the lowest hanging fruit or one of the lowest hanging fruits is nutrient deficiencies. So with our Western diet, it's even though we're eating all of the time, it's very common for people to have nutrient deficiencies because we're not eating nutrient-dense foods. So vitamin A, for example, this is a common nutrient deficiency amongst acne patients. And research shows that simply if you have a vitamin A deficiency, adding that nutrient back into the diet can actually help to reduce your acne. And typically the worse the deficiency, the worse the severity of the acne. And vitamin A, it's not really found very widely in a wide variety of foods. It's found mainly in like organ meats, so beef liver and cod liver oil, which most people are not really eating. And you can also find beta carotene, which the body converts into vitamin A in our orange fruits and vegetables, things like carrots, sweet potatoes, cantaloupe, etc. And so if you're not really eating these foods on a regular basis, and you have acne, that's definitely something like something very easy you can look into with a blood test and see if that's the issue and simply add more of those foods into the diet. Another one would be omega-3. This is a really common deficiency. Interestingly, it's a common deficiency, not just for acne, but also depression, which sometimes goes hand in hand. So this is another important one. And this is another nutrient that's not found necessarily in a huge variety of foods. It's found primarily in seafood and seeds. So a lot of people don't eat seafood and a lot of people don't eat seeds. And so if you're not eating these foods regularly, you may not be getting enough. And you compound that with the fact that we're eating 
a lot of seed oils and just omega-6 rich foods. And that kind of just throws our body more off balance. And so it's really important that we're eating enough omega-3 rich foods. I really love cod liver oil. It's like one of my favorite things because it has the vitamin A, it has omega-3 and also has vitamin C. So so yeah, so omega-3 is another one. And again, the worse the deficiency, typically the worse the acne. Zinc is another nutrient that is, is common. It's a common deficiency in acne patients. And you don't necessarily, like if you have acne, it's not that you definitely have one of these deficiencies, but it is a possibility. And like I said, if you're not consuming the foods, that contain these nutrients, it's definitely a a very easy first place to start. Hey friends, sorry to interrupt, but I have something new and free for you. So it's going to be worth it. I just created a private pod course that is going to teach you all about how to actually balance your blood sugar for happier hormones and more stable moods and energy. And I'm giving away the first two episodes completely free. All you have to do is sign up and grab those and you will have complete access right away. Your link is in the show notes and I will see you in there. Yeah, I love that. And I love those foods too. And cod liver oil can be so helpful because it's not only high in retinol, vitamin A, but it also has a balanced amount of vitamin D, which is so important for our skin and mood and all of the things too. And then you're getting those omegas and it's anti-inflammatory. And so that's one that can be like a multi-supplement, which is really nice. And then beef liver, beef organs, that is an unpopular, unpopular one a lot of the time, but it's crazy when you start to look at these fat soluble vitamins and you're looking at lists of food that have them. And it's like beef liver, beef liver, beef liver, beef liver, beef liver. And yet most of us are like, I don't really want to eat beef liver, but there are ways to do it. I think that the capsules are fine. I think that actually eating it is going to be better, but I think that you can start to sneak it in and you can start to get these nutrients that are missing. And I think it's so interesting that you said it's only been the last, what, 50 years that they've started saying that diet isn't the cause of acne. And I would be really curious, this is just a little side note. I don't know if you know the answer, but I would be really curious when most of the most typical acne medications came out or were marketed for acne and if that lined up. Because if they have a different answer, that would be my guess. Yeah. So back in the 1950s, that's when we first started using antibiotics where they started coming into commercial production just in general. And it was around that time that researchers discovered that acne-prone skin had bacteria on it. So naturally they said, okay, there's bacteria on the acne-prone skin, let's try antibiotics. And the first class of antibiotics that they tried actually didn't work. But then they tried a different class of antibiotics and it did actually work at least while the patients were taking the, the medication. And if anyone, any of your listeners have taken antibiotics for acne, or I'm sure you have friends, a lot of times what happens is the skin does clear while you're on it, but within a year or so, it comes back and sometimes with a vengeance. And so in retrospect, we've realized that the class of antibiotics that is used for acne is not just antibacterial, it's also anti-inflammatory, which may be more likely why they were helpful or they are helpful during that time period versus like once you go off them and it comes back. So yeah, so it was around that. And really what put the nail in the coffin were actually a couple of studies. And when I say a couple, literally two or three studies, 
actually on chocolate. So there was two studies on chocolate, one of them funded by like the Chocolate Candy Association of America or something like that. I don't know the exact name of it, but it was funded by industry. And if you actually read the study, it is mind-boggling that anyone took it at face value because first of all, they didn't use regular chocolate bars in the study. They used like one chocolate bar that had 10 times the cocoa than the other one but they both were loaded with sugar and dairy. Like that was the primary thing. There was sugar and dairy in both of them. And so they concluded there was no difference between the people who were eating bar A versus bar B. So chocolate doesn't, chocolate's not associated with acne. And that was it. Like that study for some reason put the nail in the coffin and like this whole chocolate thing and the food acne connection. And like I said, there were a couple other small studies, but they were just like poorly designed and poorly done. And if you look now, you'll see there's controversy about them and people questioning them at the time was taken at face value. And then, yeah. So then antibiotics to this day are still the most commonly prescribed drug for acne. And actually dermatologists prescribe more antibiotics than any other like field of, of medicine, which is crazy. That is so what crazy. I, I'll just, to give you like a little bit more of history. So in the 1950s, we thought that acne was caused by bacteria and that's why antibiotics were used. Totally makes sense. It was based on the science at the time. Around the 1980s, that's when the science started to go a different way and start pinpointing inflammation, chronic inflammation as potentially the root cause of acne. And over 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010, more and more studies kept pointing to this. So For example, since the 1950s, we've learned that the P. acnes bacteria, which has since been renamed C. acnes, QD bacterium acne, this bacteria is not a bad bacteria. This is actually a commensal or good bacteria that's found even on healthy clear skin in equal amounts as those people with acne. Secondly, we've also found that you could have acne and not have this particular bacteria on your skin. And thirdly, so the role of bacteria is not like fully understood at this point. It may play some role, but it seems more like it's going rogue. And like really the first domino in the chain of events that sets off acne is inflammation, is chronic inflammation in the body. So in the early 2010s, acne was actually reclassified from like a bacterial infection to a uh, chronic inflammatory skin disorder. So that was a very long-winded kind of history, but When acne was reclassified as a chronic inflammatory skin disorder, it should have like the way that we treat and address acne should have changed dramatically to focus on reducing inflammation, but it hasn't like we're still focused on attacking the bacteria. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. So I know we can go back to some of, go back to the root causes here Mm -hmm. in just a minute, but I did want to just talk about the gut a little bit more when we're talking about antibiotics and probiotics specifically, because I know that there are certain probiotics that are often missing in acne prone skin. And so I'm just really curious. I know that tetracyclines is not the main class of antibiotics that are used for acne. So I'm just curious, how does that affect those specific probiotics? And is that why acne comes back and makes the problem worse after antibiotics sometimes? Yeah. So that's the paradox as well, that gut dysbiosis is associated with acne. So that is one of the other root causes is gut dysbiosis. And so what I mean by that is either a lack of good bacteria or too much bad bacteria and potentially even uh, increased intestinal permeability or leaky gut. And antibiotics, they're broad spectrum. So they're not just going after that one bacteria, let's say the C. 
acnes bacteria on your face, it's, it's broad spectrum. So it's wiping out other bacteria, including good bacteria as well in your gut. It could also be wiping it out in other microbiomes, right? You could get a UTI or a yeast infection when you're on antibiotics as well. So yes, that is the paradox. Antibiotics can disrupt the guts long-term and that lack of good bacteria in the gut can contribute to breakouts later on. And what the research shows is that acne patients tend to lack the good lactobacillus and bifidobacteria strains, which do have anti-inflammatory benefits. They also tend to lack gut microbial diversity, meaning they have less different types of strains in their gut, and they tend to have more increased intestinal permeability. So that is the paradox. And I always say for acne, like antibiotics have a time and a place for sure. But for acne, I don't believe that is the right time and the place. Yeah, because it's making the problem worse, essentially, and increasing the intestinal permeability, decreasing the good bacteria in the gut that actually would be affecting the skin in a good way. And then, yeah, that's very interesting. And I feel like so much of the time we find these connections in how we're treating things in Western medicine that it's not only not actually fixing the problem, but it's making the problem worse, especially in my experience with birth control. We see the same thing, that birth control continues to worsen estrogen dominance and liver issues and mineral deficiencies that are causing the hormone imbalances in the first place. And so this is just another example of that, which I find to be really interesting. So, okay, so let's keep talking about the other root causes. Another root cause, well, is is a pro-inflammatory diet. So there are certain foods that can increase the inflammation in our body. So sugar, like a high refined carbohydrate diet. And I'm not saying you can never eat sugar, of course, small amounts, totally fine. But if your diet, like my diet used to be made up of cookies, bread, cereal, pasta, it was only refined carbohydrates and nothing else. And so when you eat like that, your blood sugar is on a roller coaster, your insulin is on a roller coaster. Interestingly, with a high glycemic diet, it actually increases not just your inflammation, but even your sebum production. So your skin is more oily and more prone to breakouts. And so there are a number of studies that have linked a high sugar, high glycemic diet to an increased risk of acne. And on the flip side, a low glycemic diet to reduction of acne. So there was a really interesting study. This was published in the American Academy of Dermatology, and it included about 3,000 participants. And for those who followed a low glycemic diet, after three months, 87% had less acne and 91% said they needed less acne medication. And the only thing that they did was switch from a high glycemic diet to a low glycemic diet. So that's like, it's pretty amazing. And I think it's one of the easiest experiments people could do for themselves. It's very easy. It's just simply switch your simple carbs for your complex carbs. We still need carbs. We still need sugars, but we want to be having whole carbohydrates instead of those like simple, quick, fast candy and sweets and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So switching from, like you said, like cookies, candy, sweets, and refined grains. So just getting like a croissant at the grocery store versus having whole grains, even if it is still bread, you're going to, you can find bread that's going to have more fiber, more nutrient density, or even switching away from something like bread that's made for you and doing more of a whole grain like rice or oats. And then even the, like the root veggies that I love to talk about having sweet potatoes, carrots, those type of things as a higher percentage of your carbs. And then when I talk about blood sugar balance, I'm always talking about making sure that your protein 
is balance with carbohydrates because I think that's something that is so easily overlooked that we don't understand that it's important. And so I've seen huge changes for energy, for acne, for all of these different things by just paying attention to if you're getting carbs and protein at the same time. So I think that it's just Absolutely. huge. It really makes a huge yes. difference. So I always like to say no naked carbs. So if you're going to have the refined carbohydrate, pair it with ideally fiber, protein, and fat, because that is going to help you or, or help blunt that blood sugar response versus if you were to just eat it on its own. And yeah, even the order in which you eat your food, it's quite interesting, can affect your blood sugar response. So if you're having, let's say you're having broccoli, salmon, and white rice for dinner, if you eat the white rice first, and then you have the broccoli, and then you have the salmon, you'll actually have a bigger blood sugar spike than if you ate the broccoli first, and then the salmon, and then the carbs. So it's quite interesting. There's so many things that you can do beyond just, you know, switching to whole carbs to keep your blood sugar more stable. And interestingly, even aside from the food, like stress can spike our blood sugar as well. So that's actually another root cause is stress. And so back like in the 1930s, there were two dermatologists, Donald M. Pillsbury and John H. Stokes, who came up with the framework for what we now call the gut-brain-skin connection or gut-brain-skin axis. And what they observed in their patients is that the stressed ones seem to develop digestive problems and then skin problems. And their hypothesis was that negative emotional thoughts such as fear, worry, doubt, this could actually disrupt the gut microbiome creating inflammation. And that inflammation wouldn't just be local to the gut, but it would also spread to the skin resulting in an acne breakout. And so they did some experiments to show this hypothesis. And again, in the, the decades since more and more studies have really supported this. And what we do know now is that it is true. Negative emotional thoughts can actually disrupt the gut. They can wipe out some of the good bacteria, allowing some of that more opportunistic bacteria to proliferate. And when that happens, that creates more inflammation in the body, which ends up on the skin. And interestingly, so back in the 1930s, there was no like probiotics. I don't think the term had been invented yet. But one of the things that they proposed to help their patients was fermented milk, actually, which was fermented with L-acidophilus cultures. And they found that was helpful in repairing their gut and repairing their skin. So it's just crazy that like back in the 1930s, they were already looking into this. And again, like today we know, for example, L-acidophilus can be helpful for our skin. There's another probiotic, L-remnosis SP1 that has been shown to be beneficial for acne prone skin. And yeah, and it's just, it's so interesting how like the gut still gets in there. Even when we're talking about stress, it's creating the inflammation through the gut. Yeah, that's so interesting. And those lactobacillus strains specifically are so helpful for repairing some of that damaged lining. And just having those strains is going to affect the way that overgrowth bacteria or bad bacteria can show up in the gut too. So I think that's such a good point that it does keep circling back to the gut every single thing that we're talking about. And when we're just told you need to do something topical for your skin, you're missing the entire iceberg and you're just looking at the tip essentially. Exactly. Okay. So what else do we have for root causes? And the, another root cause could be hormonal imbalance, which I know is your specialty. 
And so typically in terms of acne, excess androgens is associated with acne. But what I always like to say, and I think you'll agree, is that your hormones aren't the problem, but the habits that are causing them to become imbalanced are the problem. And if we look at the diet and lifestyle, there are often like many things that could be contributing to the imbalance. So for example, a high sugar diet that has been associated with excess androgens or higher levels of androgens, eating enough fiber. This has been found to be beneficial to help lower some of those excess hormones. Getting back to the gut, constipation can play a role in hormone imbalance because the way that we excrete excess hormones is through our stool. And so if we're constipated, then those excess hormones could actually get reabsorbed back into the bloodstream, contributing to imbalance. Stress, this is another one. This can throw our hormones off balance. And of course, elevated cortisol can actually increase also elevated cortisol and elevated androgens can actually increase your oil production on your skin. And this is something like also I think is mind-blowing. It was mind-blowing for me when I understood this because growing up, I was always told there's three types of skin, normal, oily, and dry. And it's actually not true. We all have normal skin that can become more oily or more dry depending on our diet, our lifestyle, and our skincare. Of course, that topical also has an impact. But yeah, so if we can lower our stress levels and lower our glycemic load, you may be surprised that if you think you have oily skin, you find that you actually have normal skin. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Our bodies really were created to be within the normal limits and to be at homeostasis. And then so many of the things that are in our environment and influences in our nutrition and stress and all of those things are what causes them to be out of balance, whether it's hormones or the gut or any of those things. I find that the gut and hormones are a huge connection. And I think that even just relating like constipation, potentially back to not only hormone imbalances, but also skin imbalances. If you are I like to think of it as essentially the hormone bathtub. Like you have to have, if you're overflowing, you have excess hormones, whether that's androgens, estrogen, whatever it is, and you're having a lot of symptoms, we not only need to turn off the water, but we need to unplug the tub. And so a lot of times getting the gut in order is unplugging the tub and making sure that you can actually get rid of the hormones that your liver has marked for detoxification and are ready to leave the body. Because if you're just reabsorbing, hormones, then that's not only going to affect how your hormone symptoms show up, but it's going to affect your skin as well because you have toxins essentially sitting in your gut for longer than they need to. So I love that connection. I think that's really good. So let's talk a little bit about food again. Let's go back to food. And I would love for you to just talk a little bit about what foods you found to be best for acne. I know that you see maybe different foods for stress acne versus hormonal acne. So I'd love to hear what you think about that. Yeah, I think in general, some of the best foods for acne-prone skin are definitely our fiber-rich foods, like our vegetables, fruit, whole grains, beans, lentils, all of that kind of plant-based stuff, which is a source of fiber. Because what I see personally, and I'm curious what amongst your clients is like, a lot of people have digestive issues and constipation issues and are not having enough fiber. So this is, again, like the nutrient deficiencies is a low-hanging fruit is just to make sure people are having an adequate amount of fiber. So I like to say, make 50% of your plate veggies at as many meals as you can, ideally your lunch and your dinner, and you'll be way ahead of the ball game if you're simply doing that. 
So fiber-rich foods are really important, again, for regularity, for uh, nourishing your gut microbiome, for they're also providing nutrients, antioxidants, they're anti-inflammatory. So our vegetables, our, our fruit, these have so many benefits for our skin. Cruciferous vegetables in particular are especially beneficial for hormonal acne because they support the liver's detoxification. And so this includes things like broccoli, cauliflower, arugula, Brussels sprouts, anything that has that like sulfury bite or kick to it, that's going to be a cruciferous vegetable. So those are really important for stress acne. I do have one quick question that I just want to interject and hear your experience on. So I know that some of my clients who do have gut issues pretty significantly and are having hormone issues, sometimes they notice a lot more gut symptoms when they try to add a lot of vegetables in at once. And so especially like raw vegetables or cruciferous vegetables that are raw, I find that sometimes they need to go slowly. Sometimes they need to cook it. Sometimes they need to cook it in broth. I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on that or any other tips there. That's actually a great point. And yes, I agree with everything that you're saying. So definitely cooking the vegetables, I would avoid raw, especially in the beginning, because if you're having trouble digesting, that is just a recipe for bloating and uncomfortable and not eating any more vegetables. So definitely cooking the vegetables like soups, like any sort of vegetable soups, it's definitely helpful. And also starting slowly. So if you literally eat zero vegetables, don't start eating five cups of vegetables the next day. Start with one cup, build up to two, build up to three. Like over time, you want to build up the fiber. Also make sure you're having enough water, drinking enough water because the fiber needs water in order to do its job of elimination. So make sure you're having enough water as well. And then, yeah, definitely with the cruciferous vegetables, starting low and slow and and then definitely cooking them would be the place to start. And then I would say on top of that, make sure you're nourishing your gut and taking probiotics or eating fermented foods, because that's going to help to reseed your gut with the good bacteria. That's going to help you break down some of those foods a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. That all's, that's all really good. And yeah, so for stress acne, I would say green tea or matcha tea may actually be helpful because research shows it could help to reduce the stress hormone cortisol. So that's an easy, an easy one to add in. And then we mentioned earlier cod liver oil. I really do think this is a skin superfood because like we talked about, a lot of people are not getting vitamin A and omega-3 from the diet. And so I like that it is not a synthetic supplement and it's a it's coming from a natural whole source and it's going to be absorbed better and so a cod liver oil i think is a skin superfood and i would say also just making sure you're getting enough protein i feel like that's something we're hearing a lot about protein now with some of these more protein heavy diets and things but yeah making sure you're getting enough protein is important especially in the healing process for your skin So this is actually an interesting tip because one thing people always ask is about scarring and how do you prevent scarring or how do you reduce the acne scarring? And the reason that we scar is because of the amount of inflammation and the length of time we have the inflammation. So the longer it lasts and the more we have, the more likely you are to scar. So I'm sure you've had a small pimple before, even if you pop it, which you shouldn't, but even if you do, it doesn't leave a mark. Whereas if you have one of those deeper, like week long pimples that are brewing under the skin, that even if you don't touch it can leave a mark. It's because there's more inflammation and it's lasting longer. So 
having an anti-inflammatory diet, eating plenty of antioxidant-rich foods, your berries, your pomegranate, your dark leafy greens, your colorful veggies and a rainbow colors, that's going to help reduce the inflammation. But you also want to make sure you're having enough protein because protein is needed to repair the skin. And so making sure that you're getting protein at every single meal, that's also going to aid in blood sugar stability and which again is going to help your skin. So making sure you're getting a well-balanced diet and not just, you're not excluding anything from your plate. Yeah, that's so good. I think that's, again, sometimes it does go back to essentially like pretty basic. We just have to go back to eating good food and making sure that our bodies have the nutrients that they need. And it's not as hard as it seems like it is. So. I would love to, just a couple more questions before we wrap up. I know that harsh skincare is something that you mentioned before we started as one of the root causes. And so I would love for you to just briefly talk about how do you know if your skincare is actually making your acne worse or what would you primarily avoid with skincare? Yeah, so for skincare, if you wash your face or you use your products and you feel like your skin is more like dry or tight, it is stripping too much oil from your skin. And if like our skin does need some amount of oil, the oil protects us. It's just that we don't need excess oil. And so if we strip too much away, this can actually backfire and cause our skin to produce more oil to compensate, not less. So when you're using a product, you want to use something like gentle and natural, ideally, that when you use it, when you wash it off, your skin just feels normal and it feels good. It doesn't look red. It doesn't look irritated. With acne, there's a lot of times a lot of actives, a lot of peels, a lot of exfoliation. So if you're using things that feel harsh or you see your skin as red and irritated after, I would say that's too harsh and switch to something more natural. And what I will, last thing I'll say is just, With the skincare, I think the gentler, the better, because your diet and lifestyle can actually do the heavy lifting from the inside out. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I think that's so true. And I think having good skincare is great, especially when you're just like wanting to take care of yourself, wanting to take care of your skin and making sure that you have something that has ingredients that you can understand and it's not super, super harsh. I know when I had really bad acne, I felt like, almost like the harsher, the better because my I was so angry at my skin and my skin was angry at me. And so I think just even that more like internal conflict, like it's, oh yeah, if this is going to like really strip away the acne causing bacteria or whatever it was that I believed at that time, then I need it to be harsh on my skin because then that'll fix it. But man, it's just sad looking back, honestly, because I think a lot of us have that perspective with food too. Like the more we restrict or like the harder we are on ourselves, with food, that's going to be better for us. It's just not true. And so I think that gentle approach is so important and just like really more leaning into our feminine anyway. And I think that's, that's important and interesting to see. So, okay. So I'd love to hear if you have any additional thoughts on like lifestyle factors or habits that you would recommend to help support more clear skin. And then we'll wrap up. Yeah, I I think it's, like you mentioned earlier, it's the healthy habits that are going to support general health and immune health and hormone balance. They're all the same and skin health. So make sure you're getting enough sleep. If you're not sleeping enough, your hormones are going to be out of whack. You're going to be more stressed. Definitely not a, a recipe for good health. So make sure you're sleeping well. Make sure you're doing something to manage your stress. And I know we live in a very stressful world. So I know that's a bit easier said than done. And you can, of course, incorporate things like meditation and breath work and 
journaling and nature and like all those things are amazing. And I think we should include what appeals to us into our daily routine. But I think for me personally, what has been the most effective at helping me get a handle on stress and not letting stress rule me or anxiety is to rewire my brain and how I think about stress. So there's a really great book called Loving What Is by Byron Katie, which kind of helps you think about stress really differently and what you allow to stress you out and versus what you don't. And for me, I think that's a game changer because your set point of your stress level is already a lot lower. So if you have trouble meditating, well, you won't need to meditate as much perhaps because your stress level is already lower. And exercise movement is so helpful. Sweating is so helpful, whether that's just through movement or even sauna, that can be beneficial. If you are in the sauna, definitely like towel the sweat off regularly. Don't let it sit there. What else? I would say, yeah, it's like those things, managing your stress, moving, getting sun, getting like morning sun and getting some vitamin D, helping to set your circadian rhythm. All of these things are going to help to keep your hormones balanced, to keep your immune system strong and to keep your skin clear. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Again, it goes back to the things that are basic and that honestly, we all know are things that we need to do to take care of ourselves and so much of the time we're looking for the fancy answer, right? We're looking for the supplement that's going to fix everything for us. And really probably more like the quick fix, the easy fix is what we're really looking for. But we feel like, okay, well, maybe we're giving ourselves a little bit too much credit for what we think we're doing. Oh, I probably eat pretty healthy. But then if you actually do a food log you and you get honest with yourself, you can notice like, oh, maybe I'm not getting any protein or vegetables. Like maybe that's something that needs to be fixed. And even getting sunshine, that's something that I talk about so much of the time, like getting that morning sunlight. It sounds so simple, but it almost sounds too simple, I think. And we think that it doesn't matter, but it truly makes a huge difference, not only in skin, but like in mood and in stress, which is better for your gut, which is going to be better for your hormones and your skin. And so it's really, I don't know. I like that you kind of bring it back to those simple things because they really make a huge difference. So this has been so good. Thank you so much for all of this. I would love for you to share where we can find you, how do people get in touch with you? And then I know that you have your program, the Clear Skin Plan, if you want to share a little bit about that and where we can find that. Sure. So you guys can find me at mariamarlo.com and Marlo is spelled M-A-R-L-O-W-E. I'm also on Instagram under the same name and TikTok under Glow by Marlo. In terms of the Clear Skin Plan, so this was based on, I created this based on several years of working with people one-on-one and I still do work with people one-on-one, but this is like a DIY version, which helps you figure out the possible root causes and then remedy them with appropriate diet and lifestyle changes. And it's not like a strict one size fits all, but rather take what you need and leave what you don't. And it also has recipes and has been really effective for literally thousands of people in clearing their skin naturally even when medications haven't worked, even when they've been trying everything, even when they think they were eating healthy, like you were saying, sometimes it's the tiniest tweak. Sometimes they really are eating really healthy, but there's one little nutrient that they're not getting or one little thing that they're not doing that makes a world of difference. So Clear Skin Plan, yeah, you can find it on my website. And it's yeah, it's an amazing program and science-based doctor approved to really clear your skin naturally from the inside out. I love that. Thank you so much for being here. It's been so fun. And I know it's going to be so helpful for all of the ladies who are listening who have been having trouble with acne. So thank you again. Thank you, Leisha.
Any information shared on this podcast is solely for educational purposes, is not to be taken as medical advice or to be used as a diagnosis or a treatment plan for any medical condition. I'm sharing my educated opinions and experience, but nothing shared here can be taken on a one-size-fits-all basis. We always recommend that you do your own research, talk to your own doctors, and take full informed responsibility for any health and medical choices that you make. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today for listening. And I hope that you were encouraged and learned something new. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you be willing to share it with a friend and to leave us a review? I believe that every woman deserves to understand her body and feel great in it. And you can help me in this mission by sharing the podcast. If you're also feeling like you're ready for the next step and you're really ready to dive in in your hormone journey, my course, Nourish Your Hormones is created specifically for you. It's a step-by-step blueprint to increase your metabolism, restore energy, and have better periods and mood every single month. I would love to connect with you. So come over and join me on my Instagram page at Leisha Drews and send me a message if you have questions or just want to tell me something that you enjoyed about this episode. I can't wait to meet you.